Accutron Watches present. From New York City, this is the Accutron Show, a time travel through American culture with your hosts, Bill McCuddy, Scott Alexander, and David Graver. Visit AccutronWatch.com and discover the brand that has made American history with an all-new proprietary next-generation electrostatic energy movement. Accutron. It's not a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. So maybe there's something that's wrong. Maybe the weather's not great. Maybe I'm flying over water, which means that if anything goes wrong, if the engine quits for some reason, I have no option but to ditch in the water and maybe even pull the parachute. The amazing person you heard at the top of the show is today's guest, world record-setting pilot and activist, Zara Rutherford. She's the youngest female pilot to fly solo around the world, which she did over the course of a five-month journey. Uh, But first, it took the three of us five months to get here. I'm Bill McCuddy, uh, along with writer Scott Alexander and editor David Graver, and we are on a special episode of The Accutron Show. Stay tuned. Buckle up. We're taking off right after this. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our iconic Space View 2020 collection, recreating the stunning visual impact of the original open dial design combined with an all new electrostatic energy movement. Time just changed again. The Accutron Space View 2020. Scott, what was your greatest accomplishment by the age of 19? By the age of 19, the greatest accomplishment. Oh, goodness. I wrote a really long English paper one time. (laughs) Do you remember the grade? Uh, B minus. Oh, congratulations. And uh, David? I did a student ambassador program to Australia. I spent a month in Australia traveling along the coast from Cairns to Sydney. And that was very, very important to me. That and I guess a 50-mile bike hike. (laughs) Those were my things. Really? Yeah. I had moved several times, moved countries. I, I moved to England when I was four. Oh, that's and big. I grew up in England until yeah. I was 10. And then the, the I guess the biggest accomplishment was moving from England to Texas in fifth grade and not dying. That's, that's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, going <laughs> dropping into a public school in England. But uh, at no point in fifth grade did you say old. to yourself, I sure would like to fly around the world. I did not. I did not think it was really an option for me. I'm not sure I flew, actually, before 19. My greatest accomplishment was probably working in Summerstock Theater and meeting a lot of celebrities and forming the, you know, ridiculous future that I would have in this business. But uh, and, and what about you? Do you ever, like, think about if I could just fly a plane, David, across even... As a daydreamer, a- I always wanted to fly. That's what motivated... I was in eighth grade when I went to Australia. And from that moment on, I had this dream to see the world, which, as you know, is part of my job now. I spent half my life on the road traveling. I spent a lot of time in airplanes. Do you remember the first time you actually flew in a plane? I do. It was to Florida, and it, w- it was over Easter, and I was maybe in the third grade. I went to see my grandmother in Florida. <laughs> it was a big deal. Scott, I, do you remember the first time you flew? I do. Uh, it was actually flying to England when I was four, and so it was a transatlantic flight. Oh, you win. You, I, got, I remember walking off the plane on the tarmac, holding my mother's hand and leaving a trail of uh, my lunch uh, down the down the <laughs> aisle of the stand. I, I made it all the way off the plane, thankfully, but then I painted the tarmac in uh, Heathrow. Uh, 
Uh, and then you got dressed up. That was in the time period oh, when yes. you got really dolled yeah, up to get on a plane. And yeah, you better bring your A game. Uh, I can guarantee you that the pilot of that plane was male, that most yes. of the servers on that plane were female, maybe a couple of guys. Almost certainly. The first time you flew, that pilot definitely was a man, most I likely. would guess. Yeah. Um, but we have somebody very uh, interesting today. Zara Rutherford is from Belgium. She looked up in the sky when she was young and said, I would like to go around the world. I want to go to there. I want to go to there. She yeah. put, that looks good to me. Yeah. Uh, she thought of this, and then a few years later, she went out. She got sponsors. Her parents were uh, obviously pilots, but also must have not discouraged this. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Um, yeah. The whole family, actually. She has a brother, a younger brother, who's flown around. We're going to ask about him. Uh, but her accomplishment is unbelievable. Recognized by the Guinness World Record book, uh, is, which is still a thing. And uh, she did it in something like 155 days through the California wildfires, through COVID, uh, around North Korea, um, through yeah. deserts, over oceans, in this tiny little plane. Yeah, in a micro-light airplane, one-seater, I think. It's like, yeah, definitely one-seater. Really... Does it even have heat? I mean, uh, she was in Siberia. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. She I mean, must the, have felt the, so alone, the amazing so remote. Thing, when I was a kid, uh, again, right after I moved to Texas, I was uh, at a friend was having a birthday party. He, it was like a very small thing because his uncle was going to take him flying. And so I got to fly in a, I guess it was like a four-seater or something like that. It was like his this my friend's dad and his uncle and me and this guy Alex, and I remember being like, "Wait, we're doing what? Like we can just go to an airfield and get in an airplane? Like, because you think of it as like an airport. Somehow it's some magical thing. You don't actually barely see the airplane until you are through the jetway and all that stuff. So it's it's almost like you're going to a space capsule. It doesn't really feel like necessarily like you're flying, but you walk on the tarmac and you climb into a four seat." vehicle and then that vehicle goes up into the sky it is a crazy miracle uh even now i remember that just completely blowing my mind and also then halfway through the flight his, uh, alex's uncle goes all right alex take the no. wheel and, he, and he's <laughs> no. like steering the plane you know which you can once you're up there you know landing is what i hear is the tough part you know Indeed. taking off is probably you know you need to know some stuff but like Landing is what, where it really comes in. They, he did not let Alex land the plane. Well, yeah, unless you're Tom Cruise as a kid, this is probably not a good plan to let the uh, yeah. to let the. And I would say my fly. other most memorable flight, I got to do a zero G flight. Oh, which the, was the vomit comet. Uh, the vomit comet, yeah. yeah, which was amazing. So you're literally floating around a padded airplane. That was for a story about NASA, I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, it was a, actually a video game story. Uh, the, the, <laughs> really, yeah, they spent the, some money. They really did. Well, this guy um, made a lot of money on video games and spent it all on um, outer space stuff. He went to space. Richard Branson. Yeah. Oh, not Richard oh, Branson. Sorry, Richard Garriott. Funny uh, you mentioned Richard Branson because he is one of the sponsors of this round-the-world trip that this 19-year-old phenom did. Uh, it, it's just an incredible story. We're going to meet her. She is going to school now in this country. Uh, she is. Got some plans that don't include maybe flying around the world again uh, in such a small plane. I, I mean, just, I'm so struck by the boldness to do that. It reminds me of like the idea of like, well, we've now we've flown around the world. We've got airplanes. Like, well, we'll go to space. Like when you know, President <laughs> Kennedy was like, no, we're not just going to space. We're going to the moon. Right. Like that. The, just the drive that some people, some humans have to go the next frontier to really cross 
into the unknown. I it's think you cool. know. I was at Sir Richard Branson's launch. I went to the Virgin Galactic launch in uh, outside of El Paso, Texas. I and wish got I to could see. act surprised. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite remarkable. I did want to just add that my most memorable flight was not in a plane. I did, oh. though I've been in many planes. I was in a Cessna last week. I love seaplanes, really into seaplanes. If this is an LSD story, we don't want to no, hear right. it. <laughs> I, there are actually less blimp pilots in the United States than astronauts, and I took a blimp that was shaped like a cucumber across Long Island, was and that really? was definitely quite the, memor- <laughs> quite the memorable flight. <laughs> it was sponsored by an alcohol brand. Aren't I think they, you can guess which one. Are they shaped like a cucumber? It was literally colored. It was <laughs> an illustrated like Oh, the humanity. Cucumber. you got to fly in a cucumber blimp. That's, wow. a, that's a record set. Um, well, the last thing I'll add to this conversation is one of the very first jokes I did in my stand-up act like mm. 35 years ago, uh, long before The Tonight Show and any of the other stuff I did, uh, was about Amelia Earhart luggage. There was actually a product called Amelia Earhart luggage. And I, I'll, I'll, you know, that the joke wrote itself. All you had to say was, uh, I'm no marketing genius, but I know you don't name luggage after a woman who mysteriously disappeared in an airplane. Uh, we will ask our guest if, for ha- if we perhaps... We won't lose your luggage. We'll just lose the pilot. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah, that was a tragic story. I'm sure uh, Zara knows about her. We'll talk about all of that in uh, in an incredible uh, round-the-world episode of the Accutron Show. Zara Rutherford joins us right after this. Don't go away. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our Accutron DNA collection. Reimagined for a new generation. The Accutron DNA combines breakthrough technology, precise engineering, and modern aesthetics to achieve a new level of technical excellence. The Accutron DNA, the new face of time for those who blaze new trails. Zara, welcome to the Accutron Show. We are thrilled to have you here because you are somewhat of a miracle. Uh, What was the inspiration for you as a child to look up in the sky and go, someday I will circle that? You're right. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Um, so I'd always dreamt of just going on this really big adventure. And I was really lucky that both of my parents were pilots. And so they, they kind of taught me how to fly. And then I guess I kind of combined that big adventure with the flying and thought, how incredible would it be to actually fly around the world? And so that's kind of how the idea came along. And then I kind of forgot about it for a few years, just because I assumed it'd be too dangerous, too difficult, too complicated. But it's when I got to my senior year, senior year in high school, that's really when I decided to do it and uh, kind of give it my best shot. How do you begin to plot out a trip like that around the world? All of your stops, all of these like points to discover. Right, yeah. So basically, I was trying to fulfill the Guinness World Record requirements for a round-the-world trip. And that includes crossing two antipodal points and essentially what antipodal means is two points that are the, are the exact opposites of each other. So the North Pole and mm. the South Pole are antipodals. And I think, for Got example, it. in England, its antipodal is like somewhere around New Zealand. But you can choose. So then I chose Colombia and Jakarta, Indonesia. And then I just had to go through those two points to kind of fulfill my requirements. And at the same time, I thought, well... If I'm going there, I might as well stop in some interesting places. So then I just kind of had some fun and chose like New York and San Francisco and then, you know, Seoul and South Korea and stuff like that. So you actually spent some time in each place when you stopped there? I tried to, but with COVID, it was tricky. And at the same time, I was trying to keep 
going, if that makes sense. So sure. I tried my best to kind of have a look around, but usually it would just be one night. Yeah, does Guinness have a, they say you have to be hit antipodal points, but do they, is there a time limit? You have to do it within 10 years or something or, or is it <laughs> within six months or? So no, there's no time limit, but you can't take a break of more than two weeks unless okay. you have a good reason. So I was stuck in Alaska for a month right. and I was also stuck in Siberia for a month and that was weather related. And so Guinness allowed that because obviously it'd be too dangerous for me to continue in bad weather. Can you help us understand <laughs> what it feels like to be in the aircraft that you were flying in, this ultralight aircraft? And then can you also tell us what goes on in your head when you're flying? Yeah, so, okay, so what's it like? So it's very small. Uh, ba it basically, you sit in the plane for, uh, I think my longest flight was eight hours, so up to eight hours, and you, you can't move because it's the plane is too small to really move around. But the view is incredible because I had sort of three, I had 360 views because of the, I had glass all around me. Wow. So I had just the most amazing views. And then, and then mentally, it depends what the flight is like. So, so maybe there's something that's wrong. Maybe the weather's not great. Maybe I'm flying over water, which means that if anything goes wrong, if the engine quits for some reason, I have no option but to ditch in the water and maybe even pull the parachute. The plane actually has a parachute. It's not for me, but the whole plane comes down. So in on those kinds of flights where it's just a bit trickier, there's definitely a lot of stress involved. But on mm. some other flights where the weather's great and it's easy and there's no turbulence, it's just the most amazing feeling. So it's a single seater. It can go for, did I see in the in materials that you can fly for as long as, did you say eight hours? Yeah, That's right, yeah. So hours. what's the distance of that? What's the longest you did in any one particular hop? So my longest flight was eight hours over water, was from Mumbai to Dubai, so India to the UAE. And I finally get to the end and I'm really tired and I just, I just want to land and I want to eat. And then the air traffic controller tells me that there's a thunderstorm over my airport and the winds are 45 knots, which is, I think it's around a hundred miles an, and it's like 70 miles an hour, I think. Oh my. Wow. And so I can't land in those winds and I decide to divert elsewhere and I, and I do that. And yeah, I just thought it was so strange that like there's a thunderstorm over Dubai, which I, cause I thought it was like a desert. So I didn't realize there were thunderstorms there. And, uh, and so I ask around and they tell me that apparently they were doing cloud seeding. So they were putting uh, like particles uh, in the air to purposefully make it rain. Yep. So yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> 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 Knew I was You're coming. Right. Listen, yeah. uh, you mentioned COVID and that happened when you were trying to land in China. And when China tells you you can't land, that's a big, that's different than the Philippines. I mean, that's a big chunk of land that you now have to go around. What did you do? Yes, so I really want to go through China because I needed to get I needed a way to get from Russia to South Korea. The thing is, in between those two countries, there's this other small country called North Korea that I'm not allowed to get into. You gotta watch out, right? For that one. Yeah, that's stuff. Yeah, and so the best way to do that is to go around North Korea through China because it's all land. So at least if something goes wrong, I can land somewhere. And it's China, so they were very strict with COVID, but. 
at least it's a country, at least it's land, right? The other way to to go around North Korea is over the ocean. And that would have been a six hour flight over the water that I really, really didn't want to do. So mm-hmm. we asked China for an overflight permit. At, I think it was 6,000 feet. And they refuse it because of COVID reasons. So I'm a bit you might, annoyed. Get, you might give them COVID from 6,000 feet. Right. I thought six feet was enough, but apparently, you know, 6,000, not quite there. And so I had to go over the water instead, which ended up being fine. But it was just a tricky flight because it meant that I wasn't really supposed to go into Japan either. And so the Japanese said, hey, you can just be like, you can be 10 nautical miles into our airspace to avoid North Korean airspace. But because they like this, they stick to one another. But you cannot go any closer to our country unless in an absolute emergency. And so that's what I did. So I was about 15 minutes away from North Korea at all times, um, just kind of hugging its border and then and then or the airspace border, I should say. And then once I was clear of North Korea, I got straight. I turned and went straight to Seoul. Do they have a special Guinness record for circumnavigating the globe? during a global pandemic? <laughs> you should ask that. That's a good question. I mean, it's, it's you really, won that one is what he's saying, challenge. basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really wild. Zara, unbuckle for a moment. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we want to hear more about this incredible trip, and we have lots more questions. It's all coming up right after this. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, AccutronWatch.com, and discover our legacy collection reviving some of the most memorable Accutron watches from the 60s and 70s. The Legacy Collection combines timeless design with the technical excellence of Swiss watchmaking, each limited to 600 individually numbered pieces. The Accutron Legacy Collection, inspired by the past, built for the future. Welcome back to the Accutron Show. We are talking to a fascinating young woman who has flown around the world. What did you do today? Zara Rutherford is our special guest, and we've got more questions. Scott? Uh, it's interesting to me. You, I know a lot of what you your focus in doing this was uh, to focus on the disparities between uh, men and women around aviation and STEM. Is that right? That's right, yes. Um, so I, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah, so growing up, I was struggling to find female role models in aviation because people mention people like Amelia Earhart a lot. And of course, Amelia Earhart, what she's what she's done, what she did is incredible. Even and even now, me looking um, looking back after my own second vacation, what she did is just crazy. I, I couldn't have done that. If, even if you paid me like millions of dollars, I wouldn't have done that. And what, what was so much more difficult about what she did? Okay, well, so I had satellite communications i had accurate weather forecasts i had a gps Uh i had good reliable technology that she did not have i think she she had like a map and a compass right and you came home (laughs) she had a a, a more tragic ending that too which is exactly why it's so impressive because it's just she went out there with all of those risks and unfortunately um didn't make it but still the courage and the skill to, to have done that is pretty incredible, uh, especially with that. So for me, weather forecasts are so important and she she had, she had didn't really have any of that. Um, and so growing up, it was kind of hard, but it's hard to look to see me out as a role model when you're eight or nine years old, because of course she's been dead for about 70, 80 years. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just trying to look for someone else that I could look up to who was preferably alive. And, uh, <laughs> and so for me, I think that was my parents because they were both pilots, but, 
but I never really found another girl around my age or a bit older. And so that's not like now kind of what I'm trying to be is be this friendly face so that when other girls are interested in flying, they can kind of say, hey, well, look, she's flying and she actually flew around the world. And, you know, I want to do that too someday. To have done something so momentous at such a young age, how do you move forward or what is the next big project that you hope to achieve? Yeah, people ask me that a lot. And I, I think my, my default answer is, wasn't flying around the world big enough? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> no, 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 but I, no, that's a good question. Um, so for me right now, the next step is university. So I've just started studying aeronautical or electrical engineering. I'm not sure yet. And then I'd love to, you know, go into space. I think that's the, that would be mm. a dream uh, to, to work in space and become an astronaut. But I'm working towards it and we'll see what happens. Wow. Look, you talk about all of this in this conversation so routinely as though it's just something you did over a 155-day period, but it was really an incredible accomplishment. We've talked about it at the top of the show. Um, what There has to have been a moment when you were uh, in fear of your life. Did you have some, some moments where you really almost did have to pull the parachute or where you really almost did run out of fuel or hit some incredibly bad weather? So thankfully, I never was in a position where I thought I was lucky to come out alive today. I never had that kind of moment. I did have moments when I had to consider what I would do. Like, so, for example, there are a lot, quite a few moments when if something additional had gone wrong, then my life would have been in danger. But thankfully, maybe I was lucky or maybe something else happened so that I was never really in any critical sort of danger. I got close to a few thunderstorms. A few times i think when i got to europe the weather wasn't great and so i ended up sort of following the valleys and the mountains at 500 feet which was slightly stressful but worked out in the end and then because i wasn't allowed to fly into clouds so i should mention that huh. uh, clouds for me were a big like no no mm. and the next probably the biggest thing for me mentally was siberia because siberia was so remote that if anything was to go wrong and i had to for any reason if I, if I had to do a forced landing i would be so far away from any human being like mm. full stop any human being that rescue would probably take too long in those conditions so when i overflew siberia it was minus 35 degrees celsius which is about the same in fahrenheit actually that's how cold it is and oh. i was very much aware that if the weather was bad there were no diversion options and if I had to land on the ice, on the snow, then I'm not sure how long I could have survived in those temperatures to kind of wait for rescue. Uh, it's, what's interesting to me, one thing about, you know, both going around the globe, but also doing it, you know, in, in an airplane is that you saw the world from the air. It feels like, did that give you a different perspective at all on the world, on, on the planet, on the countries? Yes, it really did. So I... I used to think that places like Colombia or South Korea were extremely far away. Like I was really struggling to picture mm. how how close it was, I guess. I just thought it was so, so, so far away. And because I didn't know anybody from there. And I just, and I also saw that as the other side of the planet and the other side of the planet is like extremely far away and whatnot. So 
then I saw suddenly I found myself in Colombia and I'd flown myself there and I could picture the actual geographical scenery between Colombia and my house mm. and then suddenly it gets a, it feels like it's a lot closer and it was a really it's a really strange feeling because it's like you know when you drive from your house to your office and you can kind of picture that drive and you can you know what to expect and you can kind of <laughs> see how it changes and like I now can kind of do that with these places like I can, I can kind of picture my way from my house to South Korea and so then suddenly it feels like it's so much closer and I find it quite nice because it kind of brings the whole world together you can go for dinner let's go to South right. Korea well yeah 100. I mean it, it would take a very long time but yes it's still it's like although it took me 155 days and it took me a really long time and it's really difficult it still feels like the world is a lot smaller than when I first left off your feet uh, is so inspiring to so many, especially um, young women and girls who don't have role models such as yourself. It speaks for itself, but is there something that you would want to say to them, to a girl out there that could potentially be the next flyer around the world? Yeah, so my one big thing was always, for, for years, I never believed I would be capable of doing this because I was taking into account the difficulties, the costs, and I never knew how to get started. And I think actually, funnily enough, that was my biggest hurdle was just that mental block. And once I decided, you know, I'm gonna go for this. And I was able to find a sponsor who funded the whole thing. And I was able to find help. And I was able to also find uh, an, sorry, an aircraft company would loan me an aircraft all the pieces of the puzzle started to fit together and i think that's important is to don't look at it as flying around the world or don't look at it as becoming this amazing pilot look at it as just completing a small like a puzzle and just slowly but surely it builds this amazing picture because if you want to start flying just go to a discovery flight that's like a one hour thing with an instructor go to your local flying school check it out see whether it's for you and then slowly but surely build up. And I think that that'd be my biggest advice. How much you mentioned this. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, because you talked about it, the sponsors were, uh, besides the aircraft company, Richard Branson was one of them. Did he, oh. he's done some crazy things in hot air balloons and, and gone around the world himself. Did he have any in space too? Did, did he have any advice for you? Uh, he did. Yeah. I mean, uh, sorry. Uh, I, I can't remember. I feel like I should remember. No, I'm extremely grateful to the Bransons for sponsoring uh, I think we had a brief conversation about about his own trips, um, which were incredible. Uh, I don't think he gave you much advice. Though. I think it was like, you know, you're doing something crazy. Good luck. He was and probably then, asking yeah. you for advice. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, he didn't make it around. Yeah, yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah, so my, my brother, he just got home. Um, so he did his own trip, which was very successful. So well done to him. Very proud of him. And uh, he's now back at school, finishing off his senior year. Zara, thank you for joining us. I have a feeling that we're going to send you uh, an Accutron watch, and we hope you will take it on your next journey, whether it's into space or back around the globe or even just to South Korea or North Korea for dinner. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Accutron Show. To listen to all of our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. To learn more about the world of Accutron, follow us on Instagram at Accutron Watch and subscribe to our podcast from New York City. Until next time, Accutron Time.